I have now finally recovered from all our various illnesses to not need the pulpit to hold on to during the sermon. This is a very exciting day for me. Okay. So here we have John once again, right? And we're going to dive right into John because it's a great conversation between the Pharisees and John, right? Before everyone in, in Mark's account, everyone went out to be baptized, recognizing that something special was going on there and acting more like they understood what was going on. They were repenting from fear. They were trying to turn into something new. But now we get the response of the Pharisees in Jerusalem, and they're all confused, right? It's like, well, maybe this guy thinks he's Elijah, come back. We'll ask him. Like, no. Well, surely he at least thinks he's a prophet since he smells bad and has a big beard and is wearing these rough clothes. He looks like a prophet, so he must think he's a prophet, right? And John says, no. And they also asked him, well, are you the anointed one? Are you here to sort of threaten us in Jerusalem? And John says, no. And so they ask him, well, who are you then? Who are you? And he says, well, I'm just a guy. Just a guy standing in the wilderness telling you, make straight the path of the Lord. Don't label me. Don't try to fit yourself, me into your categories. Accept me for who I am. I'm just a voice still here in the wilderness preaching something. Now, this is in the Advent cycle, the Sunday in which we traditionally celebrate joy, right? And there are a lot of traditions about the pink candle that is sort of traditional on this Sunday. The one I like the best says that in the past, in Advent, we had a much more meditative feel for things. It was much more like Lent, where he contemplated the kingdom, and it got really heavy and really sad and really tough to deal with week after week after week. And so they finally said, okay, hang on. After two weeks of this, we need a break. So we'll dip in some of that white from the Christ candle and make a pink candle and make this the Sunday of joy when we say, remember, something good is coming and you need to have a break from all of the dreariness of Advent. And this message apparently did not make it into the lectionary writers because, again, we have this thing of John who is at least welcoming in uh, Jesus. But then in Isaiah, we have all these words of judgment. And so we need to figure out what is joyful about this message of John. And I think in our current Christmas setting, where Christmas seems to have begun on November 1st, if not before, who went to the after Halloween candy sales and discovered that there was no Halloween candy left, but all of the Christmas candy was on the shelves. Anyone else? Just, just me? Okay. So why did it suddenly get green and red? We've got Thanksgiving still. What about the pork turkeys and pumpkins? Don't they get a turn? Come on. We have this long time. And what happens in your body the first time you see Christmas things on November 1st. How do you react? Is joy the first bit of reaction you had on November 1st? Uh, my first reaction was anxiety. It's like, really? Christmas already? Oh no, I've got to plan Advent. Anyone else? No. So there's that pressure, increasing pressure. And for me too, you know, we like a bargain. And the Christmas sale started again in November. And so there's that pressure to say, well, Maybe I need to buy it right now because who knows if it'll get cheaper after this. You know, I don't want to waste money. I don't want to lose my chance to do this. 
and the pressure builds. And if any of you are subscribed to email newsletters and catalogs from various retailers, anyone? You may also have felt this pressure day after day, sometimes two or three times a day from the same retailer. I say, no, I am not going to buy those Star Trek pajamas, no matter how many times you ask me to. I'm not going to do it. Maybe the pizza cutter. It's cute. Right? So that pressure builds. And that message is out there saying, well, if only I could cook like Martha Stewart and decorate like Martha Stewart, Christmas would be perfect. Right? How many of you have that friend? That friend that does it like Martha Stewart does, only better? How many of you? Yeah, me too. Yeah, so you get that pressure saying, well, if she can have this decorative basket full of wine corks, I'm sure I can too, and why can't I be good enough to do that? If you look at those other houses, well, they are decorated so immaculately, and there's not any crayon on the wall at all, right? Why can't I make Christmas that perfect? Why can't I have a fireplace that is that perfect? My kids will always remember the perfect Christmas time, and so will my parents and our entire family. Why can't I make the perfect Christmas breakfast or perfect Christmas meal? If only I get the right wine this year, everything will be done. We build up these pressures for us. And then it leads, of course, into the great Christmas Eve tradition of celebrating the birth of the child in the manger by staying up until 2 in the morning wrapping presents. <laughs> then waking up at 4 when your children bound into your bed. So what is the message from John in all of this? That's where we started, right? The message from John to us is this. Guess what? You're just people. You're just people. You're not Jesus. Be who you are. I, John, am just a prophet. I'm not a prophet. I'm not an anointed one. I'm not a savior. I'm not a king. I'm just a guy in the wilderness doing my thing. This is my testimony to you. You are not going to save the world with your fruitcakes. You are not going to save the world with your hand-knitted Christmas stockings. You are not going to save the world with your almond cookies, except for Virginia Bettle. You're not going to do that because Jesus saved you already. John is saying, I don't need to be the anointed one. I don't need to be a prophet because I see in our midst one who I am not worthy even bow down to. And he has saved us. So in this Christmas season, remember, there's nothing that you do that will save your family. There's nothing that you do that will save you. There's nothing that you do that will make Christmas perfect, that will make it the absolute thing that everyone remembers forever, because we're just doing what we do. And that is the joy that we don't need to worry about fixing everything. We don't need to worry about being perfect. We don't need to worry about making sure that all of our experiences are those ones the greater than which cannot be imagined. Because Jesus is coming on Christmas Eve. And John's testimony is this. 
Jesus saved us so you don't have to. But please, bake your cakes and bake your cookies and bring them to my house. Amen.